This Sunday, we have a special guest speaker, uh, Paul Lee. He is a missionary partner in Cambodia, and he'll be sharing this word of God with us this morning via video. Paul and I, we actually went to seminary together back in Philadelphia, and his nickname then was The Apostle. The only explanation for his vast intellect and Bible knowledge is that it must have been direct revelation from God. Paul, along with his wife Susan and their two teenage sons, Caleb and Nate, they've been serving MTW, Missions to the World, as missionaries to Cambodia, and he is currently the regional director of Southeast Asia, where he partners with MTW teammates and national partners to facilitate church planting uh, throughout Southeast Asia. And like I shared, he'll be preaching God's word today via video. Before we hear from him, I'm going to read the scripture, which comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Please give your full attention to the reading of God's holy word. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. At this time now, let's give our attention to the preaching of God's word. Hello, Christ Central. My name is Paul. Um, and I'm a missionary in Cambodia. I've been in Cambodia with my family for the past uh, 12 years with my wife Susan and my two boys Caleb and Nate. And I wanted to thank you along with my family um, and along with our team in Cambodia and our Cambodian brothers and sisters. We want to thank you for your support, your prayers, um, the sending of short-term teams uh, and even sending Pastor Harold right before our lockdown, where we didn't have visitors for two years. His presence and his words were a great encouragement for us, and I think in God's providence, um, really carried us through uh, many of those hard months. So um, we're just so grateful for all of you and your partnership in the gospel. It is really through partnerships like this that we are able to do the ministry that we believe we're called to. So thank you again. Today, I just want to share with you um, what missions is for me. I, I think there are a lot of conceptions about missions. Um, missions is for, you know, Christians that are uh, super godly. Missions is uh, uh, an endeavor that requires a lot of sacrifice and commitment. 
And I think a lot of times we, we focus on the task of missions rather than the one who calls us to missions and actually fulfills the mission, which is who is God himself. Um, and I, I believe that the, the story of the Tower of Babel that it's commonly known as uh, provides some insight to how we can think about missions and how to respond to missions. And uh, with that, I just want to... Um, explore two points with all of you. The first is that God is the Lord of his mission, that it's his mission. He's the one working. He's the one fulfilling his mission. And in his grace, he invites us to participate and blesses us through it as we witness his power, his authority uh, in carrying out his mission of bringing people from all over the world from different nations and languages and cultures to worship him. Second, uh, God reveals himself in missions. And as he reveals himself, there's a beauty that's revealed in missions. And there's something compelling about it. It, it invites us, uh, draws us into uh, his work uh, as we see the beauty of it. Um, so I'm going to just jump right into it in our passage Uh, Verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language uh, and the same words. Now, this story takes place uh, sometime after God rescues Noah uh, and his family and all the animals in the ark. Uh, Everything else is wiped out in judgment and destruction. Um, And at this point in history, uh, the Bible makes a point that there's only one language. And not just one language, but uh, the same words. And what does that mean? Well, um, you know, I, I have two teenage boys. And um, when I talk to them, I regale them with stories of my youth. And I, I'll tell them, boys, when I was your age, I could dunk a basketball, which is not true. Um, but they'll respond, Dad, that's a bunch of cap. And I respond to them with a look of puzzlement because I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, We don't have the same words, even though we have the same language. But it's different here. Uh, The people at Shinar actually not just had the same language, they had the same words. It meant that they had the same culture, the same vernacular, the same expressions. There was no impediment to their being able to communicate with one another. And uh, it may seem that um, this, this unity, or actually not unity, this uniformity was, um, was a good thing. But it wasn't the perfect utopia. Even though there was good communication underlying, uh, there were some issues, there were some tensions. Well, trouble is brewing as we see in verse 2. In verse 2, we have indications of that trouble when the Bible says that the people started migrating to the land of Shinar to find a place to settle down, to to put down roots. And the ESV, it states that uh, the people migrated from the east. But I think an alternative translation, and perhaps a better translation, is that they went eastward. See, for example, if we look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 11, the same exact Hebrew phrase is used And it's translated as Lot traveled east. Now, why is this significant? 
Uh, in the book of Genesis, any movement eastward uh, signified a separation from God's presence, a movement away from the calling of God. We see this with Adam and Eve when they sinned in the, in the garden. And they were sent away from the presence of God. They went eastward. When Cain, um, he killed his brother Abel, and he was judged, he also went eastward, away from the presence of God. Lot went eastward toward the city of Sodom that was slated for destruction because of their sins. And here too, uh, in verse 2, gives us an indication that the people at Shinar were heading eastward, away from the mission of God. And this is made explicit in verse 4. When the people now at Shinar say, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Uh, when I first read this story, I thought, man, um, this is a story that really depicts the hubris, the arrogance of people, that they dare to reach heaven, that they would try to reach heaven and try to have some status equal to God. And in response, God's going to punish them. But as we look uh, more closely at the story, there's, there's another motivation I think we can see. And I think that motivation is fear. See, in verse 4, the reasoning they give for the construction of the city and the tower and their desire to make a name for themselves um, is for this reason that they would not be dispersed over the face of the earth. Normally, um, cities and towers were built in the ancient world to protect from external threats, you know, from enemies outside or any other threats that may... Um, they may undermine the, the security uh, of your community, of your people. But in our story, there's no mention of any external threats. The only thing that's mentioned is that they wanted to keep from being dispersed. See, the, the city they built wasn't to keep enemies out, but rather to keep what they valued inside, to preserve what they had. They wanted to keep their language their people, their name, their sameness, their uniformity. Because if they went out into the world, what would happen? They'd encounter new climates, new lands, new, new plants and animals, new foods, and new languages would develop, new cultures would develop, diversity would happen. And it wouldn't just be the same people. There would be diversity of peoples. And here's the tension in the story. See, as I mentioned before in chapter 9, uh, God saved uh, Noah. In verse 1, uh, God gives this command to Noah and his descendants. He tells them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See, the problem um, was that the intentions and actions of the people at Shinar ran counter to the mission of God. God wanted them to fill the earth, wanted them to explore the earth and multiply. And in doing so, there would have been um, a diversity of peoples and languages and lands. But instead, the people at China huddled together behind city walls to be safe, to have their security and comfort. 
So how does God respond uh, to a people that um, disobey his mission? Well, God comes down to see what the people are doing. And after seeing what the people at China are doing, verse 6 continues. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. God sees what they're doing, and he confirms that their actions are running counter to his mission, and God acts in verse 7 through 9. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's not God being punitive. It's not God punishing them. The, the phrase that's repeated three times in, in, this, in this section is, of all the earth, disperse them from there over the face of all the earth. Confuse the language of all the earth. Disperse them over the face of the earth. The, this repetition is just highlighting the fact that God's intention, more than anything, is that he wants them to fill the earth with different languages, thus he's confusing their languages, and creating a diversity of peoples. This is, um, this is what we actually see in chapter 10. Chapter 10 is this genealogy of 70 nations listed out, 70 peoples. And if you're like me, whenever you come to a genealogy in the Bible, you kind of skip through it, skim through it really quickly. Uh, but there is a significance in this genealogy in chapter 10, the preceding chapter, because um, here we see the descendants of Noah actually um, going out, filling the earth, and creating all this diversity. Uh, this, this refrain of by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations represented 70 times. What, what we see then is that chapter 11 actually historically chronologically comes before chapter 10. Chapter 11 is explanatory. It explains uh, what happened, why we have this diversity. It wasn't because people were obedient to the mission of God. In fact, behind the scenes, it was God working, even through uh, the disobedience of the people at Shinar. And he uses the very people of Shinar, even in their disobedience, he uses them to fulfill his mission, to create these 70 nations with their own languages and cultures. See, this reveals to us that God is working in his mission. That first and foremost, it is his work. And that even when people are weak, even when people are inadequate, even when they're disobedient, nothing stops God. God works. Nothing stops him. In the chapter after, in chapter 12, um, we have the story of Abram. And actually chapter 9, uh, 10, 11, and 12 actually form a, a unit um, because it reveals the mission of God. In chapter 12, God calls Abram 
he continues to call his people to his mission. He calls him to leave his country, his home, his wealth, his family, his security, to be dispersed to an unknown land in order to fulfill his mission. Chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, we see why God um, confused the language of China because he wants to bless not just one people. He wants to bless the families of the earth. He wants to bless a diversity of peoples found throughout his creation. God's in control and he fulfills his mission. He does this by calling his people, blessing them as they carry out his mission and through them blessing the families of the earth. You know, if you were to um, travel to Cambodia, it would be clear to you, as it has been to me and to many others, that God's working. There are churches being planted, not just through our team, but through many people, especially our Cambodian brothers and sisters. Um, there are churches, although young, that are maturing, they're growing deeper in His Word, that are loving the gospel and uh, sharing that gospel with many, with such fervency and love. But, you know, um, if you were to go back decades, it, it would not be the case. See, um, Cambodia went through a really dark, uh, dark period of history. In the late 70s, 1970s, the Khmer Rouge came into power and there was genocide where half the population of the country was killed. Um, anybody who was learned, teachers, anybody who could read, people who wore glasses, people who were in the arts or culinary fields, anything that would threaten the agrarian communism that they wanted to implement. And along that devastation was the church. The church was young and um, small back then, but it was growing. The Khmer Rouge wiped out 90% of the church. And um, for the survivors that were believers, it was bleak. It was hopeless. But God instilled in them hope. And over the years, even through decades of civil war, God was faithful to his mission. And now the church is growing, the church is thriving, even though... Um, there was such devastation and death through the killing fields. In the midst of all this, God revealed himself to be the one who is faithful, the one who gives life in the midst of destruction, and the one who is faithful to his mission. I'm not sure why, uh, but God uses um, even dark times. God uses frail and sinful people to carry out his mission. God reveals his power, his goodness, and his faithfulness through them. And God is working today. Now, if this is true, if it's true that God is the Lord of his mission and that he is working and that he's the one fulfilling his mission, then I think there are three things we can do to uh, apply this truth. The three Ps, if you will. 
to pray, to partner, and to prepare. If it's true, the first thing we ought to do and can do is to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest uh, that God would call people to join in his mission. Pray that God would continue to call missionaries from Christ Central to go out and to bless the families of the earth with the gospel. Pray for the missionaries on the field that Christ Central partners with. Pray that they would continue to persevere and be faithful to the calling that they've been given. Pray for the national church in the countries that Christ Central partners with. That those churches, those national churches, would continue to uh, stay faithful, to persevere, to be uh, a light and salt to their countrymen. And that they would um, be mature as they grow. And as we pray, pray with expectation, even with certainty, that God's working because um, He's the one who's going to carry this through. Pray with expectation um, that there would be glory and power seen in His work through missionaries and through the National Church. Second, partner. If it's true um, that God is the Lord of His mission, there is a sure return on investment. You know, in, in, a, in a time now where things are uncertain, you know, you can invest in the markets and you're not sure what the return will be. There is an investment that I'm positive will have dividends, will have rewards, and that is in His mission. Partner uh, with Christ Central, with your church. Invest your money, invest your time, invest the resources that you have in the mission work that Christ Central is working in. Third, prepare. Prepare your own hearts. Consider the possibility of joining a short-term team or an internship or long-term opportunities. Consider how you can use your vocation for cross-cultural ministry, uh, not just overseas, but even where you are right now. In California. Talk to your church leadership about how you can be used and when opportunities arise uh, to serve on missions, whether at home or abroad, pray that God would call you. Pray that God would um, draw your heart to it. And um, I just would like to say this, you don't have to be a certain type of Christian to do missions. You don't have to have a a title. You don't have to have a certain specific gift. God can use anybody for missions. And in fact, I believe that the the global church needs all the gifts of the church throughout the world, whatever, however you want to serve uh, for his mission. Second point um, is the beauty of God's mission. I think the other thing that the story of uh, Tower of Babel kind of points to is the beauty of God's mission. And when we look at the beauty of God's mission, it, it compels us, it draws us, it wants us to be a part of it. You know, why, why does God command Noah and his sons to fill the earth? Why does God confuse the language of the people of Shinar, dispersing them uh, throughout the earth so that new languages and new peoples are formed? Why does God make this promise to Abram uh, so that He can bless Abram and bless the nations, bless the families of the earth. And it's really so that God can gather the full diversity of people, languages and cultures, 
in perfect, heavenly, glorious worship. That's where it's pointing to. See, we start in Genesis, but to see the consummation of God's mission, we have to go all the way to Revelation uh, chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. See here before God, a gathering of this great multitude of diversity of peoples, languages, and cultures. And what are they doing? Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, and there the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. See, um, this vision is given uh, to John, and in this vision is the fulfillment of God's mission in history. And we're presented with a picture of heavenly, eternal worship before the presence of God. Worship there with brothers and sisters from all over the world, innumerable, with all tribes, languages, worshiping, united in their praise and adoration to our living God. There, there's a beauty, there's something that captures us when people from all backgrounds are united, come together for a cause that's greater than themselves. And the greatest cause to unite over is worship. Why, why is this beautiful? Why is there a beauty to this? It's because the mission of God reflects actually the nature of God. God is beautiful. God is triune. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, diversity. And God is one God, unity. That's why he is the triune God. And his nature reflects his mission. The diversity of peoples from all cultures and languages united, coming together in worship. That's why there's beauty in the mission of God. And it's only a diverse worshiping community that can fully glorify Him. When I uh, first got to Cambodia, um, you know, I, I I started attending a Cambodian church and um, for over a year, I, I couldn't understand uh, what was going on in worship and service. I didn't understand the praise and the songs that were sung. I didn't understand uh, the, the sermon that was preached. I didn't understand why uh, people were lifting up their hands or why they were laughing or why they were crying why their hearts were moved. But there was a day after many, uh, after many months, after more than a year of persevering in language study and culture, uh, there was a day when, um, you know, the light bulb came on. I 
was standing there with brothers and sisters that didn't look like me, that had a different culture, different heart language, different expressions of worship, different life experiences. And yet, I was united with them in worship. I understood their heart. I understood why they were crying out and lifting up their hands. I understood their prayers. I understood um, their desire for God. And it was amazing. It was just a, a taste of what it will be like for all of us when we, um, on the other side of eternity, are worshiping together with all our brothers and sisters throughout the world, tens of thousands of people groups, singing together, and it's going to sound glorious. It won't sound foreign to our ears, but it will sound beautiful. And our voices and our heritage and our backgrounds will be added to it. See, this, this motivates our mission. It motivates our desire. It motivates uh, our want to be part of it, partner, whether it's stateside and sending or whether it's overseas and doing, no matter what part of it, it motivates our desire to be, to be part of something greater, to be part of something beautiful, to be part of something that's majestic and grand and heavenly and eternal. And finally, I just want to um, encourage us with this uh, last point. God is not engaged with us from afar, from a distance, but he engages with us personally and sacrificially. See, before God um, called anybody, God first called his son, Jesus Christ, to his mission. He planned with his son uh, that one day he would go leave heaven, come to earth, leave his home, his family, leave all the riches of heaven to be faithful on earth, to suffer and to die so that he can save his people, so that they can be sons and daughters of Abraham, so that they could receive a blessing rather than a curse from their sins, so that they could be part of that heavenly communion. He did that through his faithfulness in his mission on the cross and his death and in his resurrection. God also sent the Holy Spirit to be upon the church so that we could all be empowered to participate in his mission, so that the church could be filled with courage and strength and power and authority to witness and be witnesses of his faithfulness to his gospel, to go to the ends of the earth to disciple and baptize the nations so that there could be this heavenly perfect worship. God uses uh, a church that is fallible, that at times is weak and broken, but God desires to use a church, use Christ Central for that. Our God is not a God from afar, but intimately involved in missions with us. God has already fulfilled his mission in Jesus Christ, and he calls the church to partner through the Holy Spirit, to continue until its consummation. This is good news for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God um, who is a missionary God. You are a God who loves um, and desires your people to be gathered from all parts of the world, to worship together in unity 
to lift up praise unto you. You're a God that deserves more than the worship of just one people and one language. You're a God who deserves the worship of uh, thousands upon thousands of different cultures and languages because you are that great and because it reflects your nature. Thank you, Lord, that we are called to be part of that in whatever role that we play. We pray, Lord, that because we're called to it, that we would be faithful. Pray especially for Christ Central, that you would be with her, strengthen her, and embrace her. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Christ Central. Blessings.